anyone tell you what you can't do. You're the captain of your soul, the master of your fate. This is Tall Hungry Girl Talks, a podcast about feeding your growth. Follow along at tallhungrygirl.com. Today, we are going to talk about practical wellness as it relates to burnout in the workplace. I have a very special guest, Ingrid Vaishus. She is a certified bilingual English and Spanish wellness coach and speaker. She works with women, supporting them on prioritizing wellness as a key strategy to becoming more effective and successful leaders. Known for her practical and honest style, Ingrid helps her clients implement achievable strategies to improve their physical and mental well-being so they have the stamina to create lasting impact. Welcome, Ingrid. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this conversation. I know, I know. Um, Just to set the stage, because I think it's important for the audience to understand what has happened recently and where the workplace trends are. Um, So the U.S., so here are a few sobering statistics. The U.S. is the only country in the Americas without a national paid paternal leave benefit. The average is over 12 weeks of paid leave anywhere other than Europe and over 20 weeks in Europe. The U.S. remains the only industrialized country in the world that has no legally mandated annual leave. According to the International Labor Organization, Americans work 137 more hours per year than Japanese workers, 260 more hours per year than British workers, and 499 more hours per year than the French workers. Um, Makes me a little jealous of French workers. (laughs) I'm like, can I move to France? I know. Um, So I think it's clear that probably we need to make some changes in this country, but um, I know that that is probably a conversation for a different day, but we can talk about how we can make changes within organizations and and how we can help move the needle forward on that. Mm -hmm. So based on these statistics, it seems like the laws in this country lend themselves to create an environment where there is a higher chance for burnout. Can you tell me about the work that you do with individuals and organizations to help combat this? Absolutely. And I, yeah, I think that not only those statistics, but I think that this year, right, has really opened up the doors for this conversation around what does wellness look like? Why are we burning out like at such high rates? Why are women leaving the workforce? And the work that I do is basically I help women prioritize their well-being in a way that works for them so that they can reduce their stress or create a relationship with stress um, because stress is not going away. Like we live in a modern society. There will always be stressors in our lives, but how can we create a relationship with our stress so that it doesn't take over and so that it doesn't lead to burnout because we're so chronically stressed all the time. So I work with women to help them figure out what works for them based on where they are in life, what they need and what feels more supportive to them. And that has led to working with organizations because many of the women that I work with are in high powered careers, are in leadership roles within their organizations, also have a life obviously outside of work and are overwhelmed. And when they realize 
cool, what can I do to take this overwhelm away and feel better? But then how does that translate into my organization and my team and the people that I manage and how can I support them and how can we start having a conversation around well-being, workplace well-being and organizational well-being that goes beyond um, what we already see in a lot of organizations, which is some great um, workout incentives or yoga classes or meditation and nutrition seminars, all of which are so, so important, but they barely scratch the surface when we begin to look at conversations around burnout and overwhelm and how do we as leaders create a different culture about well-being and start incorporating well-being as part of that conversation around leadership. Yeah, I, I remember one of the things that we talked about in the pre-interview is that organizations have, you know, like you said, these yoga classes or they'll have, you know, a haircutting place within the organization, a cafeteria. And if you think about it, it makes it so you don't leave your job, like you said. And so it's like, is that is that what we really want? <laughs> exactly. So to me, it's like all of those are great things that, yes, are aimed to make your life easier, but it is to make your life easier as a function of productivity. Yes. And it's like, yeah, we need to have a conversation around, like, do we need you in the office for like 10 hours a day because you don't have to leave anymore because you can actually get everything done? Is that the best way? And like, should we be living our lives around the function of how productive I am at work at the expense of all the other aspects that are so important, right? Our emotional well-being, our physical, our mental well-being, our relationships outside of work, the ability to have a life that enriches us not only as working individuals, but also as partners, as friends, as colleagues in a way that we need to unplug. We don't, we, it is not, I mean, just as we need to sleep, we also need to like unplug and do other things that are not in our workplace. Yeah. And two, I, I, I wish that we could get away from the mentality of like grind so hard, sleep when you're dead. And you're like, um, actually you don't sleep when you're dead. Cause you're dead. Exactly. <laughs> and I feel like sleep is like sleep deprivation is used as a source, like as a way to torture people. So like, think about that. Like, think yeah. about how screwed up that is, right? What do you mean I'm going to sleep when I'm dead? It makes no sense. We need yeah. sleep. We need yeah. rest, right? We need to have a conversation about sleep. Yes, absolutely important. We need to figure out what works for us, but rest. And by rest, I mean do nothing. Unplug. Get off your phone. Stop emailing. Go, have, go do something fun outside in nature with friends and connect so that we can actually be more creative. Yeah. Um, one of the best examples that I've read around that is thinking of when you're in a, when you're in an office scenario and there's a problem that comes up, right? And so the instinct is to like get everybody into a meeting, huddle in there and figure out a solution. Nobody leaves until we find that solution. Well, like if after 20, 30, 40 minutes, you haven't really found a solution that works, you're probably not going to find it in that moment right there because everybody's so pressured into finding that solution that it's just not going to be an effective use of everybody's time. And the person who wrote it said, what I tend to do is if we don't find that solution in that moment is tell everybody to like go go off on their own for half an hour and do something that feels restorative to them. And that can be everything from like, 
go for a walk, go meditate, go make a cup of tea, have your lunch, whatever it is, and allow your mind to like wander away from the issue at hand so that your brain can start making different connections. And inevitably, every time they did that, they would come back, regroup, and someone would have an idea that would spark the solution. And it's because we're not forcing ourselves to get through it, even if we're tired, even if we're stuck. So it's like, there is value in that active rest. Yes. Yeah, no, definitely. And a lot of CEOs disconnect for a few weeks out of the year and have like weekends of silence where all they do is read and absorb information and relax and restore themselves. So I think there's definitely something to be said about that. Absolutely. So, uh, I, you know, in doing research for this, um, I read a report by Maven and Great Places to Work that said that people are 20 times more likely to stay when companies reduce burnout and ultimately attrition goes down. Mm-hmm. Have you observed other shifts when companies focus on reducing burnout? Like if, I mean, what are some of the reasons why people, why people and companies should care So I think that, well, the obvious one is like, you want to keep your workforce, right? You don't want to have constant turnover. It's expensive. It's exhausting. um, It's disrupting. Um, In terms of like thinking about burnout, you, if you think of stress related disease, I think it's the number is between 85 and 90% of doctor's visits are due to stress related disease, which is Amazing. I mean, think about that. Yeah. So that obviously will have an impact on your healthcare cost. Like if you have a workforce that's burned down, that's stressed out, will have it will trickle down and it will be expensive, right? When you have people out or sick a lot, it also reduces your productivity. If we want to look at that, it reduces creativity. Um, if people are burnt out, they're uninspired, they're unmotivated. So it is important to start thinking about it. Um, in a way that we create a culture, right, that is positive, that is uplifting, that is open and receptive to having conversations about what responsibilities look like, um, what we expect, what is realistic, and be able to check in, right? Because what may have been realistic a year ago, pre-pandemic, I can guarantee you is probably not realistic right now from many organizations yeah so when you go into a company and provide recommendations what are some of the most frequent recommendations that you provide i, I think mean, no and and are you talking to are you providing recommendations to the employees on how to advocate and also to the leaders because it's a it's it's both ways right yeah, absolutely and like i think we we talked about i don't see this as a solely like the organization is responsible for it and the individual i think it has to be a 50 50. i need to know what i need right as a person i need to know what what makes me feel good what are my boundaries what is my bottom line but then on the other end an organization needs to be open and receptive to creating career responsibilities having a recognition that circumstances change and so how do we set expectations have a policy where you're actually talking about this right where we reassess roles uh, all the time right if suddenly things have shifted so much that one person can't do this job let's have a conversation about how we shift responsibilities how we reassess is this important um and then also a conversation around taking time off right what we just talked about like rest yeah um, so 
meetings. I, I mean, it is really, I've, I've, I've been working on my own for a really long time. So I forget how much time gets spent in meetings. And that is so draining because it really does take away from your productivity. So it is important to also look at these things, right? Are our employees taking time off? And by employees, I mean everyone at every level of the chain, right? Because you can have a super generous leave policy, but if nobody's taking it, then what's the point? And so yeah. we need to lead from the top. Like if the top takes leave, then people all the way down the chain are more likely to feel like they can do it. Yeah. And it needs to be encouraged. And we need to start looking at how responsibilities are doled out so that no one is like, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a colleague about like feeling like you're indispensable. Well, if you leave and everything falls apart, there's a problem yeah. because then you're, there's no incentive for you to take time off. Except if we start looking at our jobs from a place of, okay, how can I create structures that allow me to take time off and to feel like I can, because I know that I will come back and everything will be okay. And if I come back and there are a few things that are not, then we can have a conversation about how we improve it. Yeah, like creating redundancy. So mm -hmm. my old boss used to say, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I need you guys to know like how to access the information and what to do in my place. So yeah, so it's great to feel indispensable, but also it's not a great structure to have in place at work. Exactly. And so indispensability, and then that's a longer conversation around self-worth. And it's like, why do you want to feel indispensable? Is yeah. Like, like what, what's behind it? Uh, and I think those are really valuable and important conversations because really we should be, we work in an organization under the recognition that we all together are building something, right? Not just one person is building something. There's a vision and everybody contributes a piece to the like to this pie that we're building. Yeah. And so we need to make sure that that is happening. And when circumstances change, we need to check in. And as individuals, we need to feel like within the organization, we have the space to be able to check in and ask our manager to have a conversation around whatever it is that's going on. And also as managers, we should be constantly like making sure that we know how everybody who works for us is doing. Yeah. Um, and allow for that space in those conversations. Yeah. And two, for me, I'm a manager. And so if I see that an employee is acting a little bit unlike themselves, themselves, I will, I'll say, Hey, is, is everything okay? It, you know, my first instinct I've had to teach myself isn't to be like, why did you mess up this thing? <laughs> but rather like what's going on in your life. And so I, you know, it's like, yes, I think that there are some major cultural shifts that need to happen in this country, but um, there are also small things that we can do as coworkers and friends and just like, like you said, checking in with people. Especially right now, because yeah. none of what's happening is okay. And you may be okay one moment, but like you are going to hit the wall at some point because none of this is normal. And in a way, as I look at it, and when I work with my clients, there was this assumption that like the world changed, offices closed, and you were like immediately 
to transition into this new work scenario without really taking a moment to understand like the magnitude of how things have shifted and how much more we have to worry about that's not just work. Yeah. If we were stressed before a year ago, take all that stress that everybody's dealing with and now pile on a whole new set of stressors yeah. that nobody has dealt with. And it's yeah. no wonder where we're at, right? In terms of women leaving the workforce, in terms of burnout, in terms of all of these things. Yeah. I mean, even I'll use this very moment as an example. I was going into a studio before I was really able to focus. And now I'm at home recording these podcasts. And at this very moment, my dog wants me to play fetch with him. And so I'm like, it's like we have constant distractions and demands for our time. So, um, but moving on to like, so we have seen in the news that women are leaving the workforce at insane rates. Um, the, the report that I noted earlier by Maven and Great Places to Work said that pre-pandemic, 43% of new mothers were leaving the workforce within a year of having a baby. And now with the pandemic, 2.4 million at this time, at the time of the report, likely more women are currently suffering from burnout. It's causing a mass exodus from the workforce. We've effectively lost 32 years of progress overnight, which is just insane to think about. The percentage of American women working is the lowest it's been since 1988, and the impact could be devastating for families, for companies, and for generations to come. Like. How are you working to combat this? And how are you advising organizations to combat this? I mean, we touched on a little yeah. bit of it earlier, but so, yeah, this is to me, mothers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, this is definitely unacceptable, right? Because there is a whole conversation happening around pay equity and childcare, which I think is absolutely important, right? This is something that, that needs to be addressed to allow more women to be in the workplace in a a way that feels good to them. But like beyond that, right, those are two important things. We need to start looking again at organizational well-being and wellness in a way that really makes us ask, why is it happening, right? And what can we do to change it? And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like we need to reassess our priorities. We need to make sure that we're asking these working moms, not only to, oh, here's your flexible time. It's like, okay, yes, let's meet, let, let's talk about flexibility in your time, but let's also reassess your workload. Let's also prioritize and understand that nothing is this urgent that it needs to be responded to within 24 hours. It can take 48, it can take 72. Um, None of what we're going through right now is normal. And so as we process it at work, we're also processing it at home and we're dealing with so many things, right? It's not only I'm working from home and suddenly I have no boundaries and I have very limited time to myself. It's also, I'm worried about my family's safety. When is school going to start? When are we going to be able to get vaccinated? All of these things are now taking up space in our brain. And so to assume that our workforce and the women in the workforce can be just as productive and can figure it out without any support is totally unrealistic, proven by... (laughs) The numbers of like women leaving the workforce. Yes. And And it's a shame because it's been such a 
like so it, we need women's voices at the table we need women's voices in leadership and we my passion is that women never have to choose between their health their family and their careers we can figure out how to live in harmony between all of these things we just constantly have to be reassessing and rejiggering and recognizing the circumstances yeah so in terms of the recommendations that you have for women because we have to be our own advocates like we were talking earlier and you were saying like oh great it's you have a flexible schedule but you're still doing all of the things that you did before you're just doing them at a time that's dispersed more throughout the day so and maybe at not the normal hours so is is that a request that you think that women or and men too yeah. if you know parents should make like i need to reduce my hours if possible or like you said not responding within 24 hours like deadlines need to be adjusted this is a global pandemic let's be realistic here people <laughs> exactly and how much of what we're doing and i always go back to this what is urgent and what is important that's what we need to be focusing on right especially when it comes to work even to our lives right you when I'm like working with someone who's completely overwhelmed and their to-do list is like 18 pages long and it keeps like, it keeps being 18 pages and nothing gets stented off. I'm like, okay, we need to sit down and look at this list because it's not productive to see this long list and feel like you're not accomplishing anything. But how many of those things have been there for weeks on end? If they've been there for weeks on end, it's neither urgent nor important. So let's take it off or let's give it to someone else because clearly that doesn't need to be there taking up space in your brain. Um, but I thought it also would be useful to think a little bit about what does burnout look like and what, what does it feel like? Because I think we have this conversation around stress and burnout. And so I'll quickly, like if like stress is, we know what stress is, right? It's like feeling like you have too much to do, too much going on. It affects your, your so it's like being stuck in traffic or missing your alarm clock, that creates stress, right? But burnout is way more than that. So burnout is like feeling emotionally exhausted. It's feeling cynical and detached, right? And that leads to maybe feeling exhausted all the time, even if you're sleeping well, for example, or you feel emotionally disconnected from your job and like resentful or like a telltale sign is things that you know how to do instinctively, like really don't require much of your thought process anymore. You suddenly start either forgetting how to do or you make silly mistakes. So I remember when I was at my last job, I, we took turns doing board meeting press releases and I, like one day I made like such silly mistakes. It was, I think one of my last meetings and I'm like, I don't understand. I've been doing this for eight years. Why am I forgetting how the system works? Or like I was missing like changes that had already been made. So those are telltale signs that you're past stress and we're more into burnout. And then in terms of recommendations, I've said it and I will say it again, adjust expectations, adjust your own personal expectations, but also as a manager, adjust your expectations of what needs to be accomplished. Give a little bit more lead time, give a little bit more flexibility. Make sure you're structuring your days. So for me personally, like make sure you have hours. Let people know when you're available and when you're not and stick to them. Take breaks, like take your lunch break. No devices. Don't check your email. Yeah. Um, schedule allow your allow a break. Allow a brain break. Exactly. Yeah. Go for a 10-minute walk. If the, the weather's getting beautiful, get outside, get some fresh air. Even if it's five to ten minutes, that's better than nothing. Don't get hung up on the idea that unless I did it for 60 minutes, it doesn't count. It does count. 
five minutes is enough to get some fresh air and some perspective. Um, so schedule those breaks, schedule your exercise if you need to. Um, and make sure you're transitioning between work and your day, whatever that looks like. So if your work day ends at five, shut down your computer and give yourself five minutes before you walk into like whatever your evening routine looks like. Just give yourself like those five minutes to end your day, let it go and move into the next thing. Don't just shut down the computer and run into the next thing. That's emotionally exhausting and it's depleting. Um, think of the things that I say, like I call them my top three, like my toolkit. What are those three things that you know make you feel amazing? So for me, it's making sure I'm sleeping, making sure I'm getting enough water and I'm having vegetables in at least two meals of my day. If I've done that, I know I can feel better. For some people, it might be getting exercise in, um, watching a favorite TV show, or taking a bath, for example. So think about what are those three things that you can do for yourself that don't require a ton of energy, but you know make you feel amazing. Um, ask for support. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling like you're hitting the pandemic wall, talk to your manager, open the door, have a conversation, Again, going back to this, reassess responsibilities, figure out what's urgent, what's important. If you can get more support, if you can rejigger who does what. Um, and then give yourself grace. I don't think we do that enough. I think we were all expected to like transition seamlessly or not expected, but we didn't have a conversation around what does this look like? And so sometimes we feel like we're not doing it right. And especially in the middle of a pandemic, it's so important to just, it's fine if not everything gets done. It's fine if it's not, like if you're eating takeout more than you should be. Like right now, do what you need to do to feel good. Allow yourself grace. <laughs> yeah. I think none of this is normal. Like none of this is normal. And so I think that we need to have that conversation of what it looks like when we have a good and a bad day. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think too, like the biggest thing is that a lot of people, especially high achieving people have a lot of pride in, in their work. And so they're scared to ask for help. I know that in talking with one of my friends, she ended up leaving the job because she couldn't handle doing zoom and all of that. And she was like, i failed myself and them because I didn't advocate for myself. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. It's again, it goes back to my point of like, it's this 50, 50, right? I need to advocate for myself. I need to know what my boundaries are so that I can have a community, like a conversation around this. Like what, what do I need? What do you expect? And how can we negotiate so we can be in the middle? I read like when, I read about boundaries. It's like, we have three choices. You can say yes, you can say no, or you can negotiate, right? What does, what will it look like for you so that we can get to a place where we're advocating for ourselves and as managers, we're also asking those questions. It's like, does, does this feel right for you? Is, does this make sense? Do we need to rejigger another responsibility? Do we need to ask for more support kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yes, no, definitely. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I'm trying to do that so much <laughs> as a manager now. So um, are there any other recommendations that you have for people to succeed in the workforce? Because, I mean, as we discussed earlier, there's a lot of changes that need to happen culturally and stuff like that. 
but we're only in charge of, of so much. So is there anything else that, that you think that people can do? I think we can let go of the expectation of like this perfect balance between everything, right? I think that we talked about it and to me it's more about harmony and understanding that everything can work together and we just need to figure out what that looks like for us in every in any given moment and it it is not set, right? Things can change, right? A pandemic happens, well that means we need to like rejigger things and we need to like figure out what shifts? What does that mean for what work looks like and what my life looks like? And it's constantly, like, I think it's advocating for yourself and having these conversations that wellness and work and well-being are not just a, a, a result of, like, productivity. It's way more than that. If we look at beyond productivity and look at employee, like, mental, physical, emotional health, then we're going to have a more effective and efficient workforce by default because everybody will feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I appreciate you joining my podcast. Oh, thank you for having um, me. Where can, they, where can people find you and learn more about your services mm -hmm. if they're interested in hiring you? Absolutely. So best place to find me is on Instagram. I'm at Ingrid underscore wellness. Um, and so that you can DM me and that links to my website and you can also get more information about the, my one-on-one -on -one coaching, my group program on my website, which is ingridvyshoes.com. And I'm sure it'll be in the show notes because my last name. <laughs> yes, no, definitely. And I think the work that you're doing is so important. Um, you know, especially right now with the pandemic. So yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much. I yes. love talking about this. So. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. If you want to learn more, follow along at tallhungrygirl.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts.